And good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to FSU Coach Live. My name's Tim Bankers. Joined with a special guest this afternoon, Anthony Mirando. Anthony, thank you so much for joining us today. If you wouldn't mind, just introduce yourself a little bit. Tell us uh, what you do now and, and how you got there. Yeah, so Tim, thanks for having me. My name is Anthony Mirando. Uh, I am from Malden, Massachusetts, and I, I currently live in Grand Forks, North Dakota. So that's <laughs> you said it like <laughs> wide range, wide range. So I grew up three miles north of Boston. Uh, you'll you'll hear uh, the accent a little bit. Um, you know, I started in the field of strength and conditioning. I started at Mike Boyle Strength and Conditioning. Uh, I interned there while I was in my undergrad at Springfield College in Springfield, Massachusetts. And I interned at Mike's, and I got a grad assistantship at Boston College with football. And after Boston College, I ended up working for Coach Boyle for six years at Mike Boyle's Strength and Conditioning. And along with working at Boston University as the head strength and conditioning coach for men's ice hockey. And from there, I, I had a, a good little career there along with Mike's and I decided to make a change. My wife is from North Dakota. Her and I met on a trip uh, while... I was at BU. We were playing North Dakota, met her on a trip, met again, and I uh, moved to North Dakota in 2015. And geez, I'm, I'm trying to just go through this timeline here. I moved away from North Dakota. I took a job at Minnesota Duluth with men's and women's ice hockey for a year. And then I moved back to North Dakota. And the job I took in North Dakota the first time and the second time was a, a unique uh, job with Exos and a health system. Mm-hmm. and it's pretty much a performance facility inside of a health system that's now um, attached to the health system. And that's really, you know, all I need to say about that. I work in a similar facility uh, like Mark Verstegen's in Arizona uh, via Exos. Uh, I work in a similar facility like a Mike Robinson's in Indiana. Performance, that's the name of the game now, and I've been through different places, and it's been quite a ride, and it's not even close to over, I bet, so... I, I want to come back to ice hockey in a minute, but yep. you work with a, a variety of individuals. And, and so what are some of the challenges you face working with, you know, a junior athlete versus a senior athlete, a high level athlete versus somebody kind of getting into sports in the first place? Yeah, I think the challenges I constantly face is it's personalities. Mm. Personalities will always be a challenge. Um, there, there is, there is some nepotism. Um, there is some people who want more or less. Uh, and, you know, I, I mean, at the end of the day, it just, it, it goes back, even the two words I just mentioned, it just go back to personalities. Everybody has a different personality. It's a symphony of egos. <laughs> it's all, it's all it is. Coaching, coaching is too. It's a symphony of egos. It's just, Hey, you know, whose who's political opinion is going to get fired off first? Who's going to talk about, you know, what squats better? Who's going to talk about, oh, well, my coach back home make, lets me do this. And you're going to constantly deal with that stuff when it comes to athletes, Tim. When it comes to adults, you're going to constantly have to challenge the adult client population with variation. And you're going to constantly have to get creative. So you just have different challenges with different uh I guess with different populations, different categories. Do you, if we go back to youth athletes, do you have challenges with parents and also with maybe sports specialization too young? 
Yeah, absolutely. I so where I live um, is a huge hockey-based community, right? Their college team. Just picture uh, Penn State football. If you're living in Happy Valley, it's a really just small town. Same with Grand Forks, North Dakota. You got less than sixty thousand people. Their college hockey program is essentially it's it's a it's a god, um, and everybody rallies around that arena on a Friday and a Saturday night during hockey season, which I completely respect. And it's, it's really cool because it definitely symbolizes a, that, that moral matrix, that top of that matrix would be community, strong, strong community. With that being said, the intent and the aim for most people would be to play or have that kid play at the university in North Dakota. Not everybody from Grand Forks, playing Grand Forks High School Hockey is going to be able to play at UND. So uh, the assumption kind of is, look, this is, this is the program I'm in. This is the training I'm getting. Therefore, I should be. Yes. Big hockey community. Uh, expectations need to be managed for any Division One athlete. Right? So how do you do that? Okay. That, I mean, it's, I agree. A, a lot of coaches will say the same thing. But are, are there any specific ways that you know, takeaways that we can have where, oh, this is a good idea. We should tell parents this or show parents this. Yeah, you'll you'll hear me say you'll hear me say this through everything. And this is from experience, right? This is because of mistakes I've made. And I always say this and I, I say give full disclosure. <laughs> Let them know in the forefront exactly what you see in their kid. So whether you're testing, whether, you know, I have something I use called performance quotient, Okay. you know, and one side of it just says, Hey, this is their vertical jump. So many pull-ups they did. So many, this, is, this was their squat variation test, whatever it was. Mm. And then on the other side, it's just a quick nutrition questionnaire. And just based off that, the, the pre-test, right. And then the post-test, whatever phase we're on, say it's a spring phase. You look at a, you look at B, uh, where did they start? Where did they finish? If they're not finishing where they're supposed to finish, or if they're not improving through that testing battery, then you got to explain to the parents, hey, I think we got a little bit of an issue here. Your kids, your kid might not be incompetent, but uh, they're not listening when we tell them to eat four meals a day. You know, mm-hmm. they're not they're not listening when we tell them to write their weights down in each block through their sheet, like. Tim, just little things. Like I'm just giving small examples, but if those little things can't be done right, it creates dialogue for a parent. So starting with that little, little bit of dialogue, that's given full disclosure. That's the start of that process. If the kid's being a, a insert word here, right, then got to tell the parents, hey, this is exactly what your kid's being. If the kid has potential, but he or she doesn't want to try to reach it, you got to tell them just – just tell, just be completely honest. The parent gets mad at you. The parent get mad at, gets mad at you, but they're going to thank you at one point. Maybe not physically. They might not call you and thank you, but they're going to say one day, damn, you know what? That, that kid was right. <laughs> so give full disclosure. Are you seeing a, a, a problem with injuries in young athletes from overuse or, or trying to play one sport too quickly? I mean, you talked about being up, up north where ice hockey is the thing. Are you getting everybody just playing ice hockey or are you seeing diversity in, in sports participation? So the first one, you're going to see kids just focusing on playing ice hockey. They're going to skate, skate, skate. 
They're not going to take time off the ice, meaning they're not going to be able to fill the gaps that they need to fill in the offseason. And when I say gaps, I just mean recovery. Um, ice hockey is a sport, and if you look at the anthropometry of an ice hockey player, uh, glutes and quads, so they're constantly abducting, and they're constantly pushing, what, at a 45-degree angle. So that specific movement is constantly repeated off the ice, too, because it looks like a hockey workout. And when I say it is off the ice, I'm not saying I'm repeating that. I'm saying people who are saying, oh, this is a hockey specialization exercise. I don't, I don't know if those really exist, uh, I think. For a hockey player, you're going to have to deadlift them to create better hip extension. You're going to have to squat them unilaterally, possibly more than bilaterally because it's a unilateral sport 99% of the time when you hit a stride. So injuries in younger kids, yeah, if they're skating too much, if they're really pushing that blade into the ice constantly, that constant rotation, you're going to see some type of hip flexor issue. You're going to see some type of groin issue if they're not getting stronger in the offseason. It's, it's just inevitable. It's it's with any sport, too. Hockey, yeah, uh, anatomically, they're a little bit different because of the anthropometry that I mentioned. But at the end of the day, if you're not taking time off that sport, getting stronger, trying to get more force produced to apply to the nervous system, then you're not, you're not going to create any translation to the ice. Mm. So I hope I'm explaining that well enough to paint the right picture. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we should also mention if you have questions for Anthony, just put them in the chat box and, and we'll get them to him as we continue. One of the things that we were talking about just before we went online was kind of what is a coach? And and it's, it's certainly something for discussion given the many, many different certifications out there, titles that you can have. Shoot, I can go away for a weekend, and, and next week I'm a you know, personal trainer. Uh, talk a little bit about what you're seeing in, in the private business. In the private business, people are um, they're forcing brands, and I'm not against having a personal brand whatsoever. I, I have my own personal what do you mean by forcing brands? For you mean you have to be trained under a certain certification or? I think they're forcing brands and I think, I think social media is being used um, negatively uh, okay. and not saying it's not being used positively either. Cause there's, there's so many great coaches that I know that I'm taking a course right now and it's showing the strengths on how to use social media, but there's people that are literally juggling kettlebells standing on a, on a BOSU ball with one leg. And they're showing that, Hey, this is the new type of training. That's going to make you a better athlete. Like that's, that's going to, lie on the side where you're like, I don't know if that's correct. I don't know if that's adequate. When you look at the other side and, and to me, that's branding, right? Like you're demonstrating something, you're branding yourself. You're creating a branding is just, is nothing less than perception. So you're creating a perception of yourself. Now on the other side, if, if you're branding the correct way, if you're using the content to change lives, if you're using the content to drive the vehicle from A to B, then you're using the content to coach. Mm -hmm. So what is a coach? A coach is somebody who drives their vehicle or gets the vehicle moving from point A to point B. A coach is somebody who changes lives. And the third component of that is your, your coach is going to be the person who lives to fight another day. And they're going to continue to fight for you. And they're going to text you when you're out of the weight room. 
because they know how valuable it's going to be when you're in the weight room the following day. Mm. Trust relationships, you know, but branding, coaching curtains up. So automatically you're branded. <laughs> it's just, we're on a, we're on a, just because this is live, you know, this is live. So I, yeah, it's a bigger stage, but we're on a stage every day for coaches right. constantly. So right. constant coaching. If I can take you back to, to your coaching ice hockey, cause that's, that's primarily what you've been, been doing and what you're known for and, and your experience. Do you, do you train different positions in hockey differently or is it strength is strength, power is power. We're going to have a base type of training and then focus a little bit more later. You know, it's, it's looking at every position you say to yourself, not necessarily just every position, but what does this play a need? It used to be, it used to be, yeah, it used to be, you know, I, um, I used to get too fancy when I was younger. You say, oh, the defense is going to do this. Goal is going to do this. Full is going to do this. And it works because you got buy-in because your players trust you. Um, especially when they trust you on, they trust your personality. They, they trust your care in the program. You can pretty much do whatever you want. Um, and I, I'm not, I'm not saying make them juggle those kettlebells, but, but what, what would I do differently? It, it, it all comes based off the assessment that I give to the athlete call it an FMS, call it a, you can even use a dynamic warm up. Like we, we're getting too, we're getting too fancy with assessments. We, we, people don't even call an assessment assessment anymore. They call it this evaluation and it's, it's two hours and like, look, find, identify, with those looks, with those findings, with those identifications, formulate the program that's going to fit the individual. Globally, yeah, you want to look at your team and you want to say, okay, we're all going to squat today, but but Trey might be doing a unilateral split squat, non-axial loaded, because he has a back issue. Koopa might be doing a front squat because he has zero thoracic extension. And then Josh might be doing a back squat because his back squat just looks better than his front squat and he's got zero lordosis. And then within that, like you're globally coaching three different exercises. And then when you, when you really just try to, okay, now you're integrating. It's like that symphony, right? All three of those guys are going. And now you got three other guys behind you and they got a mobility exercise. The defenseman has a tighter hip. He's doing a Spider-Man stretch. Okay. The goalie has zero hip flexibility. So he's doing a half kneeling hip flexor stretch. And hey, the coach decided to work out today with the team and he's got no hamstring mobility. So he's rolling his hamstring, you know, like that. Those are the things that you base it off your findings and you don't get, you don't need to get too fancy. You keep it within the same family, but they all have to squat. They all have to mobilize and then insert whatever other exercise you want to do. Right. But that, that's my point. Like somebody says, yeah, you know, you got to do this. You got to do that. You got to individualize for every single player. Yeah, yeah, you do, but it's not, it shouldn't have to take you eighty thousand minutes on Excel to do so. Mm-hmm. You just got to know. You got to know your players. You got twenty seven players. Know your twenty seven players, anatomically, right? Biomechanically, but more, most important, you got to know what they're doing in here, and you got to know what they're doing in here. No matter what, that's the foundation of it. Because if you don't know these. And you remember Jerry Maguire, Dickie Fox, right? You got none of this? Yeah. Everything else is worthless. Well, you can give them the fanciest squat in the world. You can have all the 
power development. You can have force plates. You can have an iPad next to them. If they don't think you care about them, they're not going to do the work. Yeah, it's, it's something that has resonated consistently across these interviews. So let me ask you this. How do you find out about them? Because uh, in, in the environment that you're in and the work that you do, right, athlete comes in, has X amount of time to work with you, and then is gone. So what strategies do you have to make sure that you do know them and they trust you and are motivated to work with you when the time comes? The strategy that, and I like to say we use because the head coach, so I, I have a team right now that I spent a lot of time with. Well, not currently because of the pandemic, um, but there's a hockey team I spent a lot of time with right now. It's a high school hockey team and, and they're really good. And their coach is a really good coach and he played at a high level and he coaches at a higher level. And we get on the same page with everything. And, and coach says, what do you think about one-on-one -on -one meetings? And this was a while ago. And my response was, I think it's fantastic. I used to do it in the college setting. And then I go, wait a minute. I do that with the adult clients. And I say, wait a minute. I did that in the past too. I said, you know what? I think I do a lot of one-on-one -on -one meetings. And that's, that's the ticket right there. You try to get to know them. So they're, they're, um, any specific questions you ask, or mm -hmm. I, I'm trying to prod so that we get some kind of like hands-on things for people who are interested in becoming coaches or getting yeah. better. What, what are you doing specifically? I give them a lifestyle questionnaire. Okay. So there's five questions on nutrition and then there's just five questions on exercise. So when it comes to nutrition and I, I can't name them all off the top of my head, sure. um, but how much water do you drink a day? And then you give them three options. Is it zero to four glasses, four to six glasses, you know, eight or more? Um, what exercises do you not like to do? Mm. That's actually a big one. Yeah. Because what you do identify with male ice hockey players is, well, whose conditioning test is better or worse, right? With female hockey players, you you tend to identify a couple differences than males. You'll see that they don't have so much a, a non-favorite exercise. Their, their willingness is actually extremely high. Mm. Uh, the guys will be, oh, well, you know, I can't stand this exercise. And the women will be like, well, their willingness is way high. And, mm. and then that's a whole nother conversation because there definitely is a difference with training males and females. You don't train them differently when it comes to the weights when it comes to the conditioning, but, uh, it's, it's a different mind. It's a different experience on two ends. So those questions, male, female, kid, adult, those questions are extremely valuable and it takes about 12 to 15 minutes. And so then, not, as, not, not that two hour evaluation no. that, that you were talking about. No, you, you spend a few minutes, maybe, maybe have an extra cup of coffee. You know, you spend a few minutes with those individuals. You, I don't know, you, you just show them you're human, just like you're, like, you're human. Like, either way, you're there to help them. They're asking you to help them. Your job is to help them. How are you going to help them? Well, I'm going to make sure that I get to know them, and then I'm going to make sure that I find the gaps, fill the gaps. <laughs> like, fill the gaps. But don't fill the gaps without full disclosure. If if you were to, to talk about your coaching style, you've had you've had many different coaches and you've worked with many different coaches. 
how would you describe your coaching style and how do you get that across to the athletes that you work with? My coaching style would be the complete opposite of how I was coached in college. I used to get yelled at every two seconds. Not that I didn't deserve it. Um, but, you know, I don't, I don't respond when somebody's constantly just, you know, uh, it's like somebody overseeing you when you're doing a project and you just, you can't, you can't fully be thyself. So the style that I have, it's, you know, for every kid, you have to, for every adult, for every whatever, you definitely have to turn on a different switch because everybody's different. But I, I would like to say that I am fair, but demanding. Or demanding, or demanding, but fair. Yeah, like if you're if you're gonna ask my for my help and and you're paying me money, then I'm I'm gonna give you everything I have. Mm. And my expectation is just reciprocity. You don't need to look like Arnold Schwarzenegger. You know, you don't you don't need to come out with a with a gleaming six pack and a tan. It does, that's not fitness. That's not coaching. That it doesn't have anything to do with that. But like you want to see improvement. If somebody's injured, you want to see their injury dissipate. If somebody's somebody's overweight, you want to see them lose weight, right? If you have an athlete who can't break that cycle of his or her bench press, they can't break that 200-pound mark, you want to see them get the 205. It's, you want to see those small wins. So, But you're not going to accomplish those if you're going to be in their face all day or, you know, say, this is your show and point the finger instead of the thumb like you just you know i mean having a having a good personality making sure that you can toe the line making sure that you can pick and choose your battles kind of like marriage right so we're not we're not going there uh uh, let me you've completely lost my train of thought oh that's right so we're not as young as we we used to once be and we're not as athletic as we used to to once be do you ever have a, a challenge of of kind of modeling or practicing what you preach where athletes may kind of, well, you're asking me to do things. I don't see you doing them or I don't think you can do them. Is is that a an issue for you or have you seen it change over time as you've matured as a coach where it's not as important as it used to be? You know, this came this came up uh, probably last year. People were speaking about looking the pot. Mm. Like it was it was big, you know, and, and people like to insult each other on social media. And that's a new thing. Just talk a bunch of crap about somebody and you get like 5,000 likes. Well, no, you know, I, I, I'm a strength and conditioning coach by trade. I'm a performance specialist. I'm sitting in my office at home. I, I speak about health from a physical and a mental standpoint. The first thing I do every day is I, I do take care of myself. I, I get a sweat in, um, I eat well. I make sure that I'm checking those boxes because it's an important part of life. Like whether you're a CEO of a business, whether you're a writer, whether it doesn't matter what you do for a discipline or occupation, like wellness is wellness. So yeah, I, I want to, do I want to look good? Yeah. I guess I want to try to look as best as I possibly can, but that's because that makes me feel good. Now, when it comes to demonstrating, I should be able to demonstrate the exercises that I'm giving because yeah, it it creates credibility. doesn't mean I have to clean 600 pounds off the floor. Mm. Uh, There are things called air demonstrations, AIR. Okay. Where 
yeah, you can you can take a PVC pipe, do a kick-ass demonstration, and people are going to go, wow, that was fast. That snapped up quick. Or just take a barbell and maybe just 135. Like, I don't, I don't need to try to show off. My job isn't showing off. My job is driving that vehicle from A to B. Has that changed, though, since as you've matured as a, a coach and become more experienced and confident? Oh, it's changed a ton. I used to be a little meathead. Right. And then I've had, then I, then I, I got a couple surgeries and I got humbled. Um, I always wanted to say, Hey, look, we're, we're, I mean, I'm 35 now. Uh, when I was 24 or 25, like I was on my, I was on the road to getting my first, like actually like division one job, job, like I'm going to get paid full time. Cool. Uh, you know, and, and I used to just say, yeah, you know, I can still, I can still run with this. I can still do this. And at the end of the day, it's just, nah, no, oh, man, like keep in shape, work out. Yeah. Like it's good for you Do, do it. Um, I like to do it cause it makes me feel good. I like to do it because yeah, if I can move better, if I can eat better, then I can live better. I have a, I have a son. I, you know, uh, I want, I want to be there for him. That's why that's my fitness goal now is to be there constantly for him and to show him that this is important for life, not just sport. But you can you can teach your athletes that too, guys. You know, like like getting your bicep behind with your rear. Like this is shoulder health one hundred and one. It's also going to create a better snatch. But you need to link the exercise to something bigger than just the exercise. And call it hockey, call it football, call it tennis. Coach, why am I doing this? You better be able to explain why they're doing it. Thinking now, just just kind of wrapping up a little bit. Unless anyone has questions they want to ask, but. Looking at, at kind of your coaching career and what you've learned both in college and, and privately as well, what advice would you have for those who are interested in becoming a coach like you, uh, following in, in your footsteps, so to speak, and, and many other coaches for that matter? What have you learned along the way that it would be worth passing on to them? So the first thing, and I'm going to be repetitive with this, is, is give full disclosure. Um, that's again, that's from experience, uh, never told the entire truth in the past and it, it bit me in the ass. Um, and then I, it, you see that too, with resumes, when you talk to somebody one-on-one, you can actually expose a lot more vulnerability. So, you know, be vulnerable, even if it's going to hurt you, uh, you it hurt, you personally hurt you like, Oh, I don't want to do this, but I feel like I have to like be vulnerable uh, give full disclosure and, and just work hard. Those three, those three are the biggest, biggest ones for me. And I say that because I've seen a resume before where the person never put down where they worked in the past, but the strength and conditioning jobs they had. And I said, Oh, would you used to work? And the person goes, Oh, I, I used to work at uh, the liquor store. Yeah. Why don't you put that down? And he's like, Oh, I used to work. What did he do? He, I think he served at Ruby Tuesdays or one of those chain restaurants, right? I said, how come you didn't put those down? And he's like, oh, I, I didn't, I don't know. I didn't think it was, you know, whatever, highlighted enough. I didn't think it was shiny enough for the, for, for the job. And I said, man, like, if you put those down, I probably would have called that person earlier. Because it shows that you call up. It's blue. You're humble. Like, you'll do whatever it takes. Uh, when you're a strength and conditioning coach or you're a coach or you're in the training profession, yeah, like you got to be willing to work. Your days aren't short days. Not short days at all. Neither are mine. They're not going to get any shorter. 
so that's where the work hard concept goes in. Like you can be the smartest coach in America. You can have all the certifications, all the letters you want. If you aren't willing to work hard and you aren't willing to admit and, and be vulnerable and put, put forth that effort one foot in front of the other, not going to, not going to get too far. Got to be relatable to people. Well, if somebody wants to get in touch with you, has some questions, follow up with you. And, and I know if you, if you haven't yet, Anthony's been putting up some, some videos of, of exercises and things you can do in the home as well. And, and you have a blog. What's the best way to get in touch with you? Yeah. So the best way is my Instagram, it's, it's the same as my Twitter feed. Okay. Uh, my name is my Facebook and my, my YouTube is the same as my Instagram and Twitter feed too. So feel free to contact, uh, you know, where, uh, I mean, I'm constantly, constantly at it, constantly thinking, constantly trying to, you know, learn. And I really enjoy what I do. And I always want to be in this profession simply because of conversations like this. So, mm -hmm. yeah, well, it's, it's been great having you on the show. Let me, speaking of shows, let me tell you everyone watching what we have coming up tomorrow and the rest of the week. Tomorrow we've got Brooke Niles, the Seminoles beach volleyball coach, very excited about her coming in and talking about beach volleyball and, uh, she's a fairly new coach at Florida State and so uh, has some new perspectives as being that new coach. And then uh, looking at the rest of the week, we finish out on Friday with Chris Yates, a uh, excuse me, sports TV broadcast journalist. So we'll talk to him about how coaches should interact with, with the sport media profession and, and journalists, etc. Anthony, thank you so much for, for joining me. Really appreciate your contributions and uh, hope that people reach out to you if they have any questions. Thanks a lot, Tim.